So our reading today is from uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 5 to 25. So this is the word of the Lord. It's joyful and it's truthful. <clears throat> in the name, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well on in years. Once, when Zechariah's division was on duty, <clears throat> and he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time came for the burning of incense, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right-hand side of the altar of incense. When Zacharias saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to, to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I'm going to read to verse 25. Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I am an old man, and my wife is well on in years. The angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And from now on, you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this to me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you, David, for your ministry this morning. And may God's name be blessed through the public reading of his word. Lord, we 
come to you with open hearts now. Not only to listen, but to gain that power to be found obedient in loving you, in living for you, and in drawing from what you have to give us today. So Lord, give us life through your words, for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, we start our series of Advent and um, this, this kind of theme that I've been having um, has been kind of running with me for the last year or so. I, I got a little bit uh, inspired immediately after service last year, Christmas service, and I thought I need to have a theme ready so I can work on through uh, the, the whole year. And little did I know. So the, what, what I was thinking last year and what, what has happened to be that we're going to be journeying together, it's this theme about this long-weighted present and the, the long-weightedness of people um, of God for the coming of the Messiah. And it fits very well with the Advent because actually um, if we went down the route of the meaning of the word, Advent is about coming. And um, there is um, the, the story goes as far as the 4th or 5th century where people were being prepared and it, nothing, it had nothing to do with Christmas really, but the early Christians were being prepared to, uh, to fast and to commit themselves before they would be ready for baptisms, which would happen normally when Epiphany, the first week of January. And then the Roman um, Empire took that as, uh, and endorsed it and put it part of the um, church calendar to make it to, to work towards uh, Christmas and stuff. Um, but but the, 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 the meaning of the word is this, the coming, the parousia, and it's to do with the first coming, but also has to do with the second coming. And the Celtics have got even a, a third coming. It's the daily coming of Jesus in, in, our, in our lives. So today our focus is in a passage which actually, in one sense, has happened before the birth of Jesus. And it's, it kind of paves the road. It, it's the stepping stone to the big thing that Jesus uh, or God is doing through the birth of Christ. We've got two faithful people who are serving God faithfully. We've got uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah is a priest. He comes down from uh, the, the line of Aaron, and so does Elizabeth. So it's, it's from both sides. They, they come from priestly line. And after the exile, there were at least four lines, uh, well, four groups of, of, of priests out of the 24 divisions that were still functioning and they were serving in the temple. So if you had 24 groups, if you take over the preparation for Passover and all the other things that went into the year, uh, you had 24 groups each group, each cohort of priests would serve twice a year. And now it was the time for Zechariah's cohort to be serving. And um, they, because they, they had so many priests, they had also a different way of appointing who was uh, going to serve. Because you could only 
serve incense only once in, in your lifetime as a priest. And basically, that serving of the incense, that, that, that aroma was the presentation of God's people's prayers into the presence of God. So the lots were casted, and Zechariah was appointed to be, uh, to be, uh, ser- to be doing incense in the temple. But before that, I want to, to stop a little bit at verse 6, because um, it's, it's something very good here that we need to endorse about Zechariah and Elizabeth. So, they were both righteous before God, verse 6, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. So, it's, it's amazing how Dr. Luke uh, gives their life's resume in one full sentence, and then there is a lot there to be thinking about. Uh, we need to bear in mind that the, the, the names in the Jewish setup were very meaningful, and they, they had a story, they had a way of remembering something. And if we went down the route of trying to understand what their names mean, was that um, for Zechariah, the name, meant, uh, the, the name meant that uh, Yahweh had remembered, and Elizabeth meant God's oath, God's promise. And here we've got two people, Luke says, that they were both righteous before God. David, when he read it from the NIV, it says they were righteous in the sight of God. Character is very important here because the the history of the people of Israel has been mingled with a lot of different characters. And we have seen good priests, we've seen mediocre priests, and we've seen bad priests. And in in the midst of people of Israel, when they have not had any interaction with God speaking to them and revealing themselves to them for 400 years, there were still people who were faithful and they were righteous in the eyes of God. This, I read this sentence and I'm really humbled to see that that's the resume of this faithful couple's sentence of their life, really. Um, and also, it's very interesting how um, Luke wants to make sure that despite their difficulty, because um, being childless, not having children, they still remain faithful to God. And we see later on in the chapter that Zechariah was a priest now, that when he starts singing the song, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. So, although they were righteous, although they were faithful in the eyes of, the God, of their God, um, they, they really... Uh, were challenged. And the challenge is now when it's Zechariah's turn to go to the temple. And he's got this encounter with Gabriel. And if we see the, the appearances of angel Gabriel coming, they're normally 
to do with something that is going to happen in the eschatological side of things, something that is going to happen in the future. But it's phenomenal to see here that uh, Zechariah's attitude and posture was the same as Daniel when he experienced and encountered Gabriel. He went face down, went face down and recognized. But also, there was this interaction which caused a delay in Zechariah trying to come out of the uh, Holy of Holies place, and it made people to worry. And what was going on? It was this interaction that Zechariah had with Gabriel. And it, it, was, it was that moment when the angel says to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall name him John. We're going to stop at this a little bit later on as well. But he will be great before God. And then Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you, to bring you um, this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you do not believe my words. Righteous in the sight of the Lord, and yet when you see the angel of the Lord, that sense of disbelief, unbelief. How can this be? It's a great reminder of us, for us actually, that how fragile we are as human beings. And how, how we can really change and and shift things, shift ideas. And this is, this is a, for me, it's a wake-up call to continue to, to draw my life and my, my pursuit of Christ really on track with God, regardless how faithful or righteous I may come across, because I'm not exempt from unbelief. This is a great reminder here because uh, here we've got a faithful man of God who's been asked to do something which really it was against all the laws of nature. Um, it was against all the things that they've been longed for. We don't know for how many years Elizabeth and Zechariah have been waiting and been praying. But here goes God's plan, God's way of intervening. And he says, no, you will have a child. Now, what does this have got to do with the story of Advent? We're going to be thinking a little bit about John the Baptist later on in Advent, but Zechariah and, and Elizabeth are the parents of John the Baptist. And John the Baptist is the last Old Testament prophet, really, before Jesus comes into the scene. 
John the Baptist is the one who prepares the way of the Lord. And Jesus says, I, don't, I have never met anyone who's greater than John the Baptist. And here we've got, although the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth have nothing directly to do with the story of Christmas, of Christ's birth, we know that there was something that God was going to use to unfold his plan because this happened, happened even one year before Jesus came into the picture. When it comes to Advent, I am drawn to this idea of what does it mean to be waiting well? Because we look back into Christ's coming in celebration. So when he came, and we remember when he came as a child, but also we look forward in eager anticipation to Christ's kingdom when he returns for his people. And this is, this is where that hymn that we're going to sing later on, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, becomes true. So what is the posture of our hearts in Advent? If we know that He is coming, what is the posture of our hearts? I think from all the years, this is the year that we can understand waiting a little bit better. It's, it's in, um, I've been really struggling to, to come uh, to, 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 to make this serious because uh, I, I really am aware that waiting is, is not the popular word that is out there. Waiting is not something that I do wholeheartedly and I embrace immediately. And I, I think also in, in this culture we, we, we are way, we, we, we see one another waiting in queues very patiently. If you went down the, the road and you see people waiting very politely and patiently just to go inside Waitrose, and there is that element of, yeah, wait, let's, let's, let's get on with it. But the, the, the waiting here, it's, it's more than just waiting politely. So the question that I've got for you today and for myself is, how do we wait well? For the second coming of our Lord, what is the what is the posture of our hearts? In Zechariah, there was something very interesting here. That while he was having this conversation with the angel, that God was able to reveal through the angel things that were wrong in Zechariah's life or in his attitude, even though he was a righteous man. And this week I've been thinking, how would I feel if God showed me and made me aware of the th wrong things in my life, in my waiting? What do I do with it? What do I do with it in my waiting when I'm full of disappointment? One when it doesn't make sense. As, as a society, we've been for the last 10 months dealing with this waiting. And if, if we think that the vaccine is going to sort it out, if we think that there is something to be waited for and hopeful for, those are good things because 
that's, that's actually hopeful. But the waiting that comes with Advent is not just a hopeful, wishful thinking. It's more than that. Because it's very true that Advent is, that waiting in Advent is resourced in two good things that we need to constantly make ourselves aware of. One of them is God's character. God's character. And he, he never changes. And it's very clear what he says here. That I, Gabriel says, I, am, I stand in the presence of God and what I say, it will be fulfilled. So it's not only God's character in the way that he says, but also it's his promises. That's the second thing. So as we think about waiting, as we think about Advent, as we think about the coming of Christ, are we waiting well in the back of God's promises and God's character? That's my challenge for myself today, and that's my challenge for you today. We do say Jesus Christ is our living hope. And this morning, I truly want to believe that with all my being. But I want it also not just sing it. I want that to be true for me tomorrow, in Monday, through Friday, till I see you again next Sunday. And that living hope, that Jesus Christ that is my living hope, should change the way that I wait for God. And I'm not underestimating at all and I'm not undermining that waiting is painful. It must have been painful for Elizabeth and for um, Zechariah. And I don't know what you are waiting for today. I don't know what you're waiting for this morning. But if you're not waiting in hope in God, which is backed up from the character, from who God is, and the promises that actually we will find out later on with Advent that all God's promises are true and amen in Jesus. So they're all fulfilled in this uh, God who becomes flesh, who, who becomes one of us and dwells amongst us. When it comes to waiting or awaiting, um, it gives me flashes of my childhood um, for many of you that know, my dad was in the Merchant Navy and uh, there were times where he would go and he would be away for many months and there were times that there would be short spells of two or three weeks. But I knew that uh, when I started to, to realize and to understand and probably by the age of four, I knew that there was that kind of setup. But I always knew that there was that sense in my heart that if my dad is going, I had that sense that he was going to, to come back. And there was nothing that could have made me think differently. And I want to bring that into the picture because I, that's, that's the, the only vivid illustration that I have for us this morning. That as we wait, that is not just that wishful thinking today, but we know how to wait well because God has promised that he will return. God has promised that he will come. God has promised that he will deal with all our difficulties, all our difficulties, all our challenges. 
And I don't know where you are this morning, but I just wanted to encourage you that as we have dwelled on God's Word, that there is this encouragement from, from it, that God is true to His character and true to His Word. And we, born again into this living hope, our posture of heart is to lean forward and to say, yes, Lord, I wait. I wait well, knowing that you are faithful and you are truthful to who you are.